God, for everything. Come on, I want you to pray with me. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for everything that you've done and everything that you're going to do. I pray that you continue to lead us, guide us, and direct us and speak to us. And Lord, we thank you, God, that you have been faithful and you're going to remain faithful, God, because you don't, you're not changing. You don't change like the shadows, Lord. You don't change like everything else changes. You are God, the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we thank you that we get to come and worship you and give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name, everybody who believes it gave God a good praise tonight. Come on. Amen, amen, amen. All right, man, what a great night to be here on a Wednesday night. Before you are seated, I want you to give three people just real close to you a big high five and say, I'm ready for what God's going to do. You may be seated. All right, guys. Hey, you guys are like the real believers showing up on a Wednesday rainy night. Give yourself a hand. Way to be here. And now let's pray for all those sinners who just want to stream at home and have a nice hot cup of tea. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm thankful for all of our home churches that are tuning in today and uh, tonight, I should say, and then also all of our guests that are jumping in online. Uh, tonight, we have uh, a wonderful midweek service. Next week, we don't have our midweek service, and that's, a, that's sad. I can't wait to get back to that and have it again the following week. But then also, just to make a note, this Sunday is our last Sunday at three Sunday morning services. So then next Sunday, uh, the following, the 22nd, we're going to four Sunday morning services. Amen. It's going to be good. And the reason we get excited about that is because we're making more room for our family. You know, one thing you do is when you have a kid, you make a baby room. When you have another kid, you make another room. And you, you just keep, or you just add bunk beds in the same room. You just figure it out because as the family grows, you make room for the family. And, and that's exactly what we're doing is we have three full Sunday morning services. And, and we're looking to have four Sunday morning services that are balanced and healthy. Uh, and let me just kind of share the why. The why is because we want to impact people's lives. And we want to pour people, we want people to have a great experience that when they come in here, they feel the peace of God, they feel accepted, they feel loved, they feel empowered, they feel challenged. Because if you're not challenged, then you won't change. And if you don't change, you're not growing. And, and, and you got to grow. you got to grow in a healthy way. Well, if we have three services that are wonderful and amazing, and then we have an empty fourth service, uh, or, and we have a new guest that comes in, they're not going to have a great experience. And our job as the core of people of this church and the wonderful people of this church is to balance out those four services. How we're going to do it is we're going to do it by RSVPing. We don't RSVP because of COVID. We RSVP because we're bigger than our building. And so we need to make more room. And so we're just going to balance out our four, all four services. We're going to take out a row, in fact, for Sundays. And we're just going to spread these rows out. And somebody just thank God said amen right there because uh, you get a little elbow room on Sunday. And you're not. One thing we learned during COVID is, is what pastors didn't know for many years years is that people don't like being crammed in like sardines and so finally pastors figured that out during covid thank you for praying for us and, and having grace for us as we figured it out over the that last two thousand years so we're figuring this out and we're trying to make sure everybody has room everybody has space and so that's going to happen here soon so make sure you're here this sunday i am continuing our series on sunday breathe everybody say breathe 
And this Sunday, we're going to talk about the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 37. And we're going to talk about how he breathed on those bones and they came to life. Last week, we talked about how the python, that spirit of python, the only spirit that's mentioned in the New Testament because of the spirits that were worshipped, the demonic presence that were worshipped in Philippi, and the one that she operated in, this woman who is of divination, and she operated with that spirit of python. And that python is meant to constrict you. It'll leave your structure. It'll leave you feeling like everything's still okay, but it'll take the breath right how many have ever heard this phrase before? When I come up for air, I'll... Come on, you ever heard that? Or, or when I finally get to just get a chance to breathe, then I will. And that's what we do is we just, we allow the world and we allow everything else to just choke the, work ourselves into it. We've got to schedule ourselves into it and just choke our life right out of us. And then, all, but we still got the family. We still got the house. We still got the job and we still got the structure, but we got no breath. We got no energy. And we prayed for freedom on Sunday, and I pray that you've been experiencing that freedom. And I hope you continue to come on this coming Sunday, because it's going to be powerful. It's going to be good. But this, tonight, we get to dive deeper into the book of James. Amen? So look with me in the book of James, James chapter 2. And I want to give you, uh, we're going to talk about actually James chapter 2 and 3. So I'm, I'm, I'm tying the two together, because each night we're going to talk about the main point. Uh, we're going to talk about the goal of each passage and we talked about last week, the goal of that passage, chapter 1, was the test and the temptation. And if you don't know how to handle the test, you'll always fall to temptation. And, and that is the case. And that's why he talks about the rich and the poor. He wasn't hating on people with money. He was saying those people who don't understand that they were in a test when God trusted them. God, God entrusted them with stuff, with money, with finances, with success. And when he entrusted that to them, they, they gave in to selfish ambition. They gave in to chasing after money because the bible doesn't say that money is evil the love of money is evil and so ambitions left unchecked will become selfish ungodly ambitions it's good to have dreams it's good to have goals it's good to have desires because that's what the bible says that he will give you the desires of your heart but you got to have a clean heart somebody said amen right there you got to have a clean heart. And so he, he, it's all through there. That whole first chapter isn't about money. And it's not about those who have doubt in their life. Because we all have doubt. It's, it's not chastising the people who have doubt. We all have doubt. It's saying, hey, this is a test. But if you understand that you're in a test, you'll overcome the temptation. So tonight I want to talk to you. I'm going to give you a subtitle. It's called The Four Principles of Priority and Purpose. The Four Principles of Priority and Purpose that James, within the book of James, chapters 2 and 3, that he begins to allude and teach us. And so we're going to start with uh, verses, uh, chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 9. Uh, if you have your Bibles open, uh, look along with me. It says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as your you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law of transgressors. I want you to write this down. This is the principle of preference, prejudice, and partiality. This is the principle of preference, prejudice, and partiality. And it's teaching us to have the right priorities and to have the right purpose within our heart. Because he says, if you say to the rich man, oh, come sit in the front, and you poor men, sit in the back. Oh, you who look right, come up here. Oh, look at me, Pastor Landon. Oh, if you look young and dress young, and if you act stylish, and if you act like a new millennial kind of guy, then we'll, we'll put you up towards here. No, 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 no. Hey, I might dress like a young guy, but I got an old soul in me. I don't, I don't say, hey, Hey, Daddy, God, we pray to you. I, I'm not a millennial like that. I, I don't talk like a millennial. I don't think like that. I, 
I think like a Bible-believing man of God, and, and this is what you do. You have to be, understand that you cannot judge a book by its cover. We all know this principle, and we have suffered the consequences of misunderstanding priorities and principles and purpose throughout 2020 and through the last few centuries, several. In fact, since the beginning of time, we have shown partiality. We have shown preference. We have created a system within Christianity of all white churches, all black churches, all native churches, all Hispanic churches. And if you are a white church, you are, and if your church is growing, then you start a Hispanic service because you can't mix the two. God forbid that they actually go together. Why? Because you got to separate people instead of gather people. You got to find. We got to find a way to knock down these walls. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. But this is a huge thing. Paul teaches Galatians about this. He says, Galatians, you have no, are no longer divided by the walls of partition. But now for those who are baptized in Christ, how many know the scripture? He goes, you are free. And, you, and those, it's no longer Jew and Greek. It's no longer slave and free. It's no longer male and female. I'm tired of hearing denominations twist scriptures and tell me that women don't have a place in leadership. Women changed the world. It was three women at the cross and only one man. It was Lydia who started the church in Philippi. It was a woman at the well who saved all those people in that city. It was the Shunammite woman that changed an entire city. It was the woman at Nain who changed an entire town. It was a woman who stepped up and said, I can do something. And this is where we got to step up and stop. I mean, I'm already praying. This is just the introduction. I didn't think I was going to go here. But this, this has deepened me. He says, you no longer have those walls. Or you, want, you don't want to know why Paul wrote that? Can I tell you about like the picture? Because I, I don't always go into like the, uh, the deep historical pieces of it and to paint these pictures because it takes a little time. But I don't mind taking a moment here tonight. And when you do this, you, you got to see what Paul was writing too. Now, Paul, first off, let me just tell you, Paul was a tougher writer than he was a preacher. Paul was, Paul was boring. Paul was a boring, 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 boring preacher. He literally killed a man from preaching. I'm not kidding, Okay. And he, then he raised him back from the dead. Paul is boring. Not only Paul was boring, Paul was ugly. Paul was short, heavy set, balding. I'm, I just, I don't need to stop describing him. Paul was, Paul was not a good looking man. And, and he was not an appealing guy. Listen, if Paul stood before us, we might reject Paul. But Paul changed the world. Again, preference and partiality. Oh, I want my pastor to look good, or I want my leader to be this age, or I want my leader to have this much knowledge, I want my leader to have this many degrees, I want my leader to have that, I want my pastor, come on, I know this is happening, I know it's happened to me, when I started pastoring in my early 20s, there was nothing but sm small young man jokes, oh, you young little whippersnapper, wait till you learn, guess what, some of these men were teenagers, some of these girls were just young youth, changed the world partiality we can go on and on and on if you're older and you have to state your age in order to tell somebody a piece of wisdom you are disqualified in that moment and if you are young and you have to say well you need to listen to me because i'm young and i'm woke and i'm relevant you have disqualified yourself from any point of reference of wisdom because you have no wisdom at all wisdom comes from god and only from god and you get god that goes wisdom beyond a number of years that you've been on this earth or the lack of number oh yeah you give god some praise right there because it's not about gender it's 
It's not about, it's not about your age. It's not about your black or white. It's not about, we got to start, we got to keep dividing walls because Paul did this because he's speaking to Galatians because Galatians did the ultimate wrong, stupid thing. They thought they were helping themselves and they said, you know what? I don't understand you. You don't understand me. Can I go somewhere for just a minute? He said, I don't understand you. You don't understand me. So this is what we're going to do. This is Church of Galatia. He said, we're going to build walls. And your group is going to go in that corner. We're going to put four walls around them. And literally, just enti- not, not a house, entire quarters of the city. You people stay over there. Then he built another one. You people stay over there. And you people stay over there. He said, you have to tear these walls down. We cannot change the world while you continue to build walls. You cannot continue to build walls and say, only people who are non-mask people can come to church. Only people who are non-vacciners over here and vacciners over here. Segregation has never worked and it never will work. I'll give God some praise if you actually believe. That the Bible was teaching it long before you knew anything about it. Because we don't need to continue to divide. We don't need to pick sides when there's a divorce. We don't need to pick sides when we feel like someone's good and someone's bad. You are not the judge of anyone else's heart. And if you take that pressure, look, he says, you, if you judge in that way, if you partiality, if you preferential treatment, if you do these things, you are going to be judged according to it. And when you get to heaven, it's not going to be well done in that good and faithful servant. It's not even going to be, depart from me, you wicked. What he is going to do is saying, you judge like this, and guess what? Now judgment is coming upon you. And there is going to be a, a devastating piece of judgment and place of judgment that happens for those who constantly want to pick sides. Don't ask somebody when they leave Bridge Church why they left. Don't, don't, don't make it. Don't, I'm just, can I go somewhere? Don't ask people certain questions. Don't ask them, oh, why'd you leave him? Why'd you leave her? Oh, why'd that happen? Or why, why don't you go there? And why don't you, why'd you quit that job? And why'd you do that? Oh, well, you don't like your boss? Shut up. There is a blessing of silence. And you ought to shut your mouth and stop posting, texting, commenting, and asking questions you have no business to be asking. Because all you're doing is constantly dividing. When somebody leaves our church, you know what I do? I get quiet. And I never say a word to them. You want to know why? Because if you give somebody enough rope, they'll know where they turn back. And I'm not here to drag somebody in because I don't own anybody. People need to go where they're called to be. Hey, you're called to be here? Great. That's why this congregation is diverse. Why? Because I don't own anybody. But the moment you start saying, these are my people, or I have the right to know, or I want to, hey, you better tell the moment you start doing these, there are certain, I'm, I'm, what, is this okay? I'm helping giving you some phrases of what causes preferential partiality and prejudice. I'm giving you some questions, some little simple practical things that we do sometimes all the time. And innocently, not knowing that it causes more division than we thought. And you have to be very careful. Division is easy. Unity is difficult. Somebody ought to, I don't know why you're not taking notes right. Division is easy. Unity is difficult. That is, a, that is a life statement right there. And, and we ought to remember that. That's why he says fight for the bond of unity. Fight for it. you got to fight for unity. He didn't say fight for unity because it was easy. He said it's difficult. Because you know why? You know, let me just, I'm, I'm supposed to, I'm only in the first two verses. I've got to cover two chapters. 
But you, you, the reason this, let me, I have this, there's a book out, and it talks about how uh, church gatherings and large church gatherings are not what God called and not what God wanted, which is totally uh, incorrect uh, according to the whole canon of Scripture and what Jesus wanted to. Jesus wanted large gatherings. He did. Did, did, you, ever, did you ever see him gather a huge crowd, like the 5,000, and say, hey, I don't want you guys here. It's supposed to be in small groups. Go back to your home. Right? No, the disciples said, go back to your home. Jesus said, keep them here. So, I mean, so that, that there's, this, there's this message going out there, and it's a false doctrine. I'm going to tell you right now. It is a false doctrine. And it is teaching people, don't gather in large groups. It's, it starts at home groups. should be in home groups. should be in home churches. Should be. No, no, no. Home church and home groups are a good complement to the gathering and the fellowship of the believers and the saints. And I'm going to tell you why right now. Because it's easy to get along with your four and no more. It's difficult to go to a big church with a bunch of crazy people who high-five you and try to trap you in a conversation and corner you and act real weird with you and awkward with you. People who just like oh because we're all diverse we're all crazy come on touch two people say you're crazy don't act like you're not we all have our craziness but we just we show it in different ways and we just learned how to be better socially and hide our weird okay you, you we all can, it's harder to come together in a big church than it is a small church why because you got to get along with a lot more people it, it's it's that it's, and you can build. I've been pastor. I've pastored mega churches, and I've I've planted small church where we're just building it. And guess what? You can have a big church that feels small. I was a part of church of t of twelve thousand people, and I felt like I knew every single person in that church. And I was nineteen years old. I, that's how I felt as a kid, and then as an adult, I, I felt like I literally knew everybody. And you can do that. Why? Because, look, I'm not trying to sit here and divide and keep people separate. That's what the enemy's job is. The enemy's job is to get you to think you're better off alone. You're better off with the people who only agree with you. You're better off just having church at home. You're better off just being by yourself, just with your little group. No, that's, that's horrible advice. If there's one thing we've learned from the last year and a half, you are not good alone with your own thoughts. <laughs> you are not. You need Jesus, and you need each other. Somebody look at you like, you got cat hair all over you. <laughs> and you got bags under your eyes. And it looks like you haven't brushed your teeth in a while. You need help. <laughs> you need somebody, right? Y'all are laughing, but that's what we came out. We came out of quarantine and shelter looking like, and we're, we're looking crazy. But hey, get, get out. Get around people and be like, hey, you got some, you know, get it out of your eye. So I need to keep moving. Y'all understand what I'm teaching, though? Okay. So number one is preference, prejudice, partiality. Number two, James chapter 2, verse 17 and 26. So I'm going to read kind of two bookends of this thought. It says, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. How many know that scripture? For as the body, verse 26, without the spirit is dead. You hear that? So faith without works is dead also. So we're called to have faith with works. This is, seems like a very simple principle, but it's very difficultly lived. Why? Because this is the, the priority of our life to understand and the purpose of our life to understand that I just can't have one without the other. I can't just be all about works and not about real faith. And I can't be about faith and not about works. Let me give it to you in a picture. If I really believe we ought to grow this church, then I ought to not just be like, oh, Lord, 
you're going to grow in and we're going to pray and we're going to worship and we're just going to believe God if God really wants to do it. Because the Bible says we labor in vain unless the Lord builds it. So, Lord, I just believe you're going to do it. I could do that. Or I could go out there, meet somebody new and say, hey, you should probably come check out Bridge Church. Because faith with works, right, works together. This is real faith that works. If I have something that I really believe, I ought to put it to work. I ought to step out. There was a young man, uh, his name was Tobias. We were at uh, Fat Olives, and we were out to eat. And I, uh, I, it was me and uh, Emily and uh, uh, Pastor Mike Hayes and Kathy Hayes, and we were out to eat. And so we are just hanging out, and, and all of a sudden our waiter comes over, Tobias, and he waits on us. He does a great job. He's got a big smile. He's a good guy. And then Pastor Mike literally grabs his hand, pulls him in, gives him $100. He doesn't know at the time, but he pulls him in, and he says, Tobias, you have somebody who's praying for you, don't you? My mama is like super churchy. Like, he goes on, talks about his mom, and he says, you know you're meant for more, aren't you? And he said, yeah, how would you know that? He said, because I believe I could see purpose in your eyes. I could see there's a destiny in your life. And you need to be a part of church. He came the next Sunday. And then after he came the next Sunday, he brought his wife the following Sunday. And then after he brought the wife the following Sunday, he joined the church the next Sunday. After that, he started serving at the church. And after that, he felt the call of the Lord on his life to move down to Phoenix, and God was going to promote him. And guess what? He went from just working an average job, and that, or just, an, uh, just a great job. He had a good job. And then God said, hey, I want you to go serve in ministry. Now he is running the children's ministry for Dream City Scottsdale, and he is changing kids' lives all over that city. And he is, he is living out his purpose. Look, it's not about like, oh, man, we lost Tobias. No, no. Oh, it's about Tobias living his purpose. If you really have faith, then put it into work. If you really believe it, put your money where your mouth is. Don't say you believe in people and not invest in people. Don't say we want to change Flagstaff and not witness to Flagstaff. Don't, don't say we want to change Northern Arizona for the good and only continue to put up walls around people instead of saying, hey, let me bring an invitation to somebody. Come on, can we give God some praise right there? Because we need to have faith with works. Why do we clap? Because I'm putting my faith to work that I'm not just believing. So your, your intentions will only get you so far. And you, your desires will only get you so far. But you've got to have disciplines in you that are greater than your desires. If your desires outweigh your disciplines, you're imbalanced. And no wonder you'll always live frustrated and blaming God and blaming other people and blaming even yourself because you didn't fulfill your New Year's resolutions on January 4th, and you already quit, or you started the fast on September 8th, and you quit on September, or sorry, August 8th, and you quit on August 10th, right? And then you're frustrated, you're mad, you feel shameful, you feel convicted. Let me just tell you, you got to have greater disciplines than you do desires. And you got to be able to have to say, okay, God, faith without works is dead i got to put my faith to work. i got to have faith that works. So let's keep moving forward. James chapter 3, we're going to launch right kind of into this now. James chapter 3, verse 4 and verse uh, 4 through 6. It says, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by every small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Somebody said amen. amen. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. It sets on fire the course of nature. And it itself is set on fire by hell. 
How many ever had a mama preach like that every once in a while? Oh, all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. <laughs> Tell the truth, son, and shame the devil. Anybody else know those lines? Where <laughs> my mom would say that all the time. My grandma would say that all the time with a spoon in her hand, and she meant every word. And, and, and if she even felt like you were lying, even though you may be telling the truth, you're still going to get whooped. But you got to be able to you got to be able to tell the truth. you got to be able to uh, uh, discipline your tongue. So what have we covered? Number one, we talked about preference, prejudice, and partiality. Number two, we talked about practice what you preach. Practice what you preach. And number three, we're talking about pilots are the ones who set the course. Pilots are the ones who set the course. The pilot is the one who's going to get you to your destination. And your tongue, the Bible says, is the pilot. The Bible says that also in your tongue is the power of life and death, and you get to speak it. Now, let me just do that. Nothing in the kingdom happens until it is spoken. I want you to write that down if you never heard it. Nothing happens in the kingdom until it is spoken. And when God said, when God at the beginning, he was wanting to create the heavens and the earth, you know what he did? He had a good thought. Oh, no, no, he didn't. He spoke it into existence. We, he spoke it. He spoke it into existence. And if God needs to speak it into existence, when Jesus walked by the tree that wasn't producing figs, did he just think a thought about it? Or did he speak death upon it? He spoke death upon it. Why? Because if Jesus needed to speak life and death, you need to speak life and death. And some of the reasons that we are not seeing what we want to see in our life is because we're not speaking what we ought to speak in our life. Now, he also says you ought to be careful. Don't give God praise in one way and then curse God in another way and then, or blame man in another way. Don't have good things come out of one side of your mouth and bad things come out of the other side of your mouth. Have some restraint. And you cannot restrain your tongue. So how do you restrain your tongue? Can I give you how? By the infilling of the Holy Spirit. There's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and out of the nine gifts, there's eight of them that deal with speaking. Eight of them. If you really want to be in control of your tongue, you have to let go of control of your tongue. And you have to give control to the Holy Spirit in your life. You have to be able to say, you know what? I'm going to focus on more of the Word of God, the things of God, whatever's pure, whatever's good, whatever's holy. I'm going to focus on whatever's praiseworthy. I'm going to, I'm going to speak these things into existence. And, and guess what? When you speak it, you're going to see it. We just prayed for, we, can I, can I? Can I use? We just prayed for a house, and, and I said, okay, Lord, you got to give them a house. They need it. We can't be getting in a bidding war. We can't be getting in all this stuff. And God blessed them with a house, and they, get, they didn't have to bidding war. They got an asking price. They didn't have to finagle. God blessed them. Come on. That's, but, but they came down, and we spoke it. We spoke healing over some people's bodies. Of, uh, God, God's going to heal them of cancer. We spoke healing over our little girl, uh, Anya's daughter, uh, uh, that uh, she would he be healed of leukemia and her blood would start, her body would start producing red blood cells. Guess what? Her body is still producing red blood cells. Why? Because we spoke it into existence. If you continue, if you speak it, oh, guess what? Hey, we're streaming into three prisons. We're going to change the northern Arizona and all of Arizona and we're going to go to four services and we're going to fill up both for all four services and we're going to see thousands of people give their life to Jesus. That is all stuff that I am continually prophesying and speaking. God, you're going to grow it. You're going to do it. And guess what? You are witnesses that as we speak it, we will see it because you got to speak it into existence. But you can't have, you can't have both sides. You can't say, well, but give the caveat. I mean, you know what the caveat is. You ever gone and pray for somebody? It's like, hey, I'm not feeling so well. Will you pray for me? Anybody? Come on, raise your hand if you have anybody, 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 your kid ask you to pray for them, and you pray this prayer, and a lot of people do this, they pray, Lord, 
I pray that you make them well, you heal them, but if it's not your will, Lord, whatever you desire, no, 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 no. Are you a child of God or are you some strange orphan who has no idea who God is and what he desires? See, when you have the heart of God, you know the desire of God. And when you know the desire of God and you have the word of God hidden within your heart that you might not sin against it, when you have that within you, you can speak for the will of God and say, this is what God wants on earth. God said, by his stripes, you are healed. And I can speak that over somebody's life, not because I'm hoping, but because he said it. So now I can come into agreement with heaven. That's why the Bible says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven there is no sickness in heaven there's no crying in heaven there's no mourning in heaven there's no sorrow in heaven there's no pain in heaven guess what when you call heaven down heaven's got to come down and touch earth and earth has got to look a lot more like heaven and when you speak that you're going to start seeing that everywhere you go but you got to start squaring your shoulders back you got to lift your chin up you got to get rid of that false doctrine of whoever told you that you got to be passive in your prayers quiet in your prayers because a quiet believer is a dying believer and you got to speak boldly you got to speak passionately the prayer the fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much what is fervent prayer of the righteous man fervent prayer of the righteous man in james chapter 5 that we'll get to later is the consistent passionate prayer not somebody who prayed one time, but somebody who declared in faith and said, this is what is going to happen. And so you have to get control of your life by getting control of your tongue. And how do you get control of your tongue? By giving your tongue, giving your words to the Lord. Not my words anymore. That's why when I pray up here, Lord, Holy Spirit, speak through me. Help me accomplish your assignment. Speak your words, your will, your way, not mine. Because if I, if I speak, you're not getting anything. If I preach, you're not getting anything. You're leaving here, and you're going to be as dry as you came in, disconnected as you came in. But when you come in and you, what's the difference between my, well, uh, there can be multiple pastors preach the same message, but the difference between what, uh, one pastor to another is if that, if, bo- if the, the one pastor let the Holy Spirit speak and the other pastor did, you can have the same content, but if the Holy Spirit isn't in charge, it does nothing for nobody. And so you have to let the Holy Spirit take control of every moment. There are times when I look at you guys, and sometimes some of y'all give me some squirrely weird look, and I, Landon wants to preach to you. But the Holy Spirit says, Landon, don't beat up the 99 for the one. <laughs> Back up a little bit, and, and I have to have restraint. I'm not always good at that. I'll tell you that right now because I'll just go after it. But I have, I, have to, I have to constantly say, Holy Spirit, I am not in control. And fasting and praying, I hope you're fasting and praying with this. Fasting and praying will put you in alignment with that. If you do not fast and pray, and you wonder why some people feel a lot further along in their spiritual walk with you, it's because you are not fasting and praying. This church grows by fasting and praying. No other way. That's how it grows. That's how people's lives are changed. We can have all the great systems and structure and pastors and leaders and small groups and everything good, great services and worship, but if you do not have the X factor... And the X factor is the anointing of God. If you do not have the anointing of God over whatever you do, it will not flourish. And when you don't have it flourishing, you will be frustrated. And so we're called to let the Holy Spirit speak. Let the Holy Spirit have his way. And, and, and I'm looking at this picture of the other guys. 
and thinking of this message and thinking of all these pieces and how we all like to talk about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we all like to talk about how, you know, Luke wrote more than that. And then we all like to talk about how Paul wrote the rest of it. But James, gosh, how many have learned so much from James in this one passage right here? And James wrote this book and James was just the brother of Jesus. Come on. If there's a guy who should be insecure, it should be James. If there's a guy who should remain silent, it should be James. And he should be like, well, you know, Jesus is my brother. I'll just shut up and let him do the talking. But James wrote a book. And guess what? We're all blessed because James decided to speak. James decided to write. James decided to make an impact. Do not discredit yourself according to where you come from or how you've messed up or how you failed or how, whose shadow you're living in or where all the things and insecurities and doubt and fears that are trying to lay before you and you need to cast those suckers down and say, in the name of Jesus, I will live by faith, not by sight. And I will step out with good works and I will speak the word of God. And when you step out, you're going to change lives. Pilots are the ones who set the course. Number four, and I'm going to close with this point, is this. James chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. I'm going to read a few verses in this one. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? In fact, can I just ask you the question? Uh, and I want you to be really honest. If you think you've got any kind of wisdom, I want you to raise your hand. Any kind. Come on. Be, I'm, I'm, this is not a trick. <laughs> I really, I want you to think. Do you have any kind of good, healthy wisdom? Good. Just look around, look around. Don't want to keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Look around. I want you to see there's some people who really feel like they've got some good, godly wisdom. Now let's match it against Scripture. Okay? So, <laughs> okay, it's not a trick. I'm just saying. Like, let's just, me too. Okay? I, I raise my hand. Let him show uh, by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. I need to teach. Meekness. Never mistake. Write this down. Never mistake meekness for weakness. Meekness is strength in submission. It doesn't mean a lack of ability. It means a submission of ability. I can have great ability and I can have great strength. But if I'm not in submission, I'm no good. It's like a wild stallion. He can run. But can he win? Can he have purpose? Or is he just going to roam? Because a wild stallion left untamed and left undone, he'll die early. He'll die young. And most likely tragically. Because he, he never submitted his strength. When you, when you submit your strength, you become a person who can walk in wisdom. So then it says this. But if you have bitter envy, well, let's, let's, kinda, let's piece those together. Why would you have bitter envy? Because he's, he's saying the two. If you don't aren't submitted, it's because you want to be like somebody. Or you are you're coveting somebody. You're envious of, and you're going to challenge, and you're going to show, and you're going to be. You, you need to have submission. He says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. The wis this wisdom does not descend from above. Talking about this this ungodly wisdom, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Anything that's self-seeking, anything that boasts and lies against the truth. Let me just tell you, if you've ever been worried about being lied to, it'll all come out. I'm, I'm going to say it again. If you've ever felt like you've been manipulated by your government, by your people, by your boss, by your spouse, by your friend, the truth always comes out. The cream always rises to the top. You just give it some time, baby. It'll come out. I'm telling you, God is your vindicator. 
do not step into the place where you got to prove somebody wrong. That's a dangerous place to be in because all you look like is a fool. But when you step back and you don't have, you don't battle, you don't argue, you don't fight, you don't even try to show that I'm, 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 I'm like, hey, I'm the victim. No. If you step back, Emily and I have done this in the most darkest seasons of our life when we were told we're not allowed to speak, when we were told you ought to shoot your dream in the face and you're no good and you shouldn't be a pastor. When we were told, you know, oh, we're going we're gonna to destroy your life. This is what we were told. By, and all we could do is hit our knees. Couldn't tell nobody, couldn't talk to nobody, could, couldn't, couldn't do anything. But we hit our knees and the Lord fought our battles. The Lord vindicated us. I'm standing on this stage and she's pregnant right there. Why? Because we didn't fight our battles. The Lord fought our battles. And, and, and I, I don't need to operate in a, in a demonic wisdom that said, because it's, it, listen, in a moment of, my wife tells me this all the time, in a moment of vulnerability, a lie will seem like the truth. I'm going to say it again. In a moment of vulnerability, a lie will seem like the truth. When you're hurting, there's some lies that'll seem like truth because it's twisted wisdom. It's, it's scripture perverted, people piecing scripture from here and, and trying to make it work. You gotta be careful. It says this, verse 16, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion of every evil thing are there. Okay, so we learned, number one, listen, we learned that this is what's bad. It comes from earthly wisdom, sensual wisdom, demonic wisdom, and it what? It's what? It's self-seeking, it's boasting, it's lying against the truth, it, it's envious, it's covetous, all that stuff. Now, how do we identify where that's at? There's confusion of every kind there. And where there is confusion, there is no godly wisdom. And whenever you want to say, is this God or is this not? Is this truth or is this lie? Is there confusion there? Then God is not there. And I need to be somewhere else because God is not the author of confusion. The enemy is the author of confusion. And while he can send chaos, he doesn't operate in chaos. He is a structured attack for your life. And he is trying to bring confusion and chaos to your life while he sits back with his strategy to destroy your life. And what you need to do is identify the confusion and say, that's not where I'm supposed to be. That's not what I'm supposed to be engaged in. And he says, but, now here's the rejoicing scriptures, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits. Without, again, here's the same word. That's why I wanted to do both passages without partiality and with no without hypocrisy and now the fruit of the righteous is sown in peace by those who make peace point number four purity is where it began peace is where it ends purity is where it began peace is where it ends it all begins with it's a pure you're going to feel very when you're trying to say is this the lord speaking to me and i want to make sure it's the lord's wisdom it's going to feel pure unadulterated and let me just tell you, that's why the Bible says have a heart like a child. Because a child can tell when something is pure and impure. They can feel it. Ever had a weird person around you? Kids don't go near them? It's because they, they, it's not even a look. It's, they just, they can sense. You need to have that same sense. The Bible calls that, again, back to the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of discernment. You need to have a gift of discernment that says, okay, is this coming from God, from above? This is pure. And then, listen, everything that God is going to lead you to do is going to be by peace. 
It, it begins with purity and ends with peace. I, I will never take a step without God's peace. It could be into a storm as long as I got his peace. It could be into a difficult, it could be in a confrontation as long as I got his peace. I can have, I can have the worst. Some people think I, I like confrontation. I don't like confrontation. I just have peace about uh, some confrontations that the Lord leads me to be in. Because leaders just, that's what you invite. If you, leaders are not made in times of comfort, but in times of confrontation and challenge. And you're going to have to step into a place where you're okay with, you're okay with being led into confrontation. But as long as you have the spirit of God with you, led by the peace of God in you, I'm not going to just fight a fight just to fight a fight. I want to be led by God's peace. I'm not going to launch a business just because it's good to launch a business. I want peace. I'm not just going to go start in a new school because I want to start in a new school. I'm going to go start a new school because I have peace about starting in a new school. I'm going to, everything I do, everywhere I go, if we're going to launch a service, uh, you know what? People could say, oh man, maybe you ought to wait before you launch four services. Let's just pack out overflow first and let's do this first and let's do that first. I'm just telling you right now, I some of it doesn't make sense and some of it does, but I'm being led not by what makes sense, but a peace that surpasses understanding. And when you step into that peace, when you step into that peace, when you step into that peace, you can step into any situation. And you can be as cool as a cucumber. You can be as cool as, as, as vanilla ice, okay? You can step in there and feel great. Why? Because you, you were led by peace. You're not led by your flesh, your flesh. You, if you put yourself in specific situations, that's why you're going to feel apprehension and anxiety. You will put yourself in situations, and when you get in there, you're like, Lord, help me with my anxiety. And the Lord's like, I didn't want you here in the first place. And no, I'm not going to take away your anxiety. I want you to leave this situation. I want you to leave that confrontation. Anybody ever gotten like butterflies in your stomach before you were, you know, you fought or argued or, right, or it's that I went, I'm fasting social media. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but like, it's that, you know, like somebody, you post something and somebody comments something stupid. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, and I, I don't even know why these people follow me or follow the church. I'm like, look, dude, if you don't like me, leave. Like we need your, I, I, I don't need it. I, I, you, why? It only frustrates you and me. Don't follow me. I, I'm not following you and I don't want to follow you. So don't follow me. And it's all this guy, but they, they make this comment and then you're like, and you're like, okay, I'm going to type. This is what, okay, hold on, hold on. And you go into your notes, and you're like, you're going to type it out in your notes because you're going to make sure it's all, and you're ready because you're not going to post it. And then be like, that idiot who doesn't spell two words correctly. I'm like, oh, you can't even spell. You're, you're going to, I'm going to make sure it's right. And then when you, all that, whoo, whoo, that right there, you shouldn't be doing it. Step back. No point. It, 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 there's no peace of God in that situation. Delete, block. Look, guys, if people are getting upset about being blocked, they shouldn't have done the thing they did. That's okay. And guess what? Social media, social media is not real life. I'll say it one more time for the back row. Social media is not real life. No, those aren't your real friends. No, and we can say it a million times over, but we, we act like it is. And we just got to let go and say, no, no, no. In fact, touch two people around you and say, you're really my friend. Touch two people, two people, somebody around. If you're by yourself, come on, reach to some of the guys. Yeah, say, hey, touch them, touch them, touch somebody. Because I guarantee you the people around you here care more about you than you could ever know. But listen, listen, your pain will try to give you a, a perspective of preference and really partiality of what you are used to. 
So let me just tell you what happens in life. You get hurt by someone who looks like a Landon. You get offended by somebody who looks like a Bob. You get, you get, you get judged by a church. You get judged by a pastor. You get condemned. You get shamed. You get, you get pushed out and ostracized. And guess what? When you see somebody, the first thing you think of is, when are they going to hurt me? The first thing you think of is, they don't really like me. I just go here. They don't really love me. They don't really pray for me. I tell everybody I love them. I say it way, probably way too much. No, I don't. I, you can't say it too much. I say I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I say I, say I love you, Pastor Doug. He is not that kind of guy. I'll just tell you that. And he, he's, he's living with me right now. And I, I love you, Pastor Doug. My dad, he's not the loving, tubby guy. i like, Dad, I love you. I love you, Dad. I love you. All right, Landon. <laughs> Doug, Doug's like, love you too, man. <laughs> and he walks off. You know, I, I say good, I say goodnight, I love you to Pastor Doug. I, I say it to everybody. I, I, but why? Because it's, it's really what I feel. And yeah, I understand the levels of love, love for my wife, love for my baby, love for each other. But listen, it's okay to love too much. Love, just love, man. Love people and, and, and begin to trust. Look, don't, don't mis- distrust people just because of somebody else. L- let them earn your distrust, <laughs> okay? Let's, let somebody new earn that distrust. Start off from a place of trust. Say, I trust you. And, and then continue to, to balance that out. There's boundaries in there, but... Begin to start with love and start with trust and, and let purity lead your life and let, let it end with peace. Because you could sleep, every night you go to bed, you could sleep with a great night's rest, full of peace. The Bible says the sleep of the righteous is sweet. Why? Because they got peace. I don't have to stress about the Dow Jones. I don't have to stress about the, uh, the housing market. I don't have to stress about any of that stuff. Because right? it's not a part of my radar. My radar is eternity and impacting lives and seeing people saved, discipled, and baptized, teach, taught the word of God and changed the world so that Jesus could come back and we could be the bride of Christ, the trumpet sounds, and we all get raptured and called to heaven and we get to go spend time, the rest of eternity with Jesus. That, that's my perspective. And so I want you to continue to say, okay, Holy Spirit, what should I be focused on? What are my, or again, what did we talk about? We talked about how uh, James wanted to shift and give us the right purpose and priorities. Okay, God, what are our purpose and our priorities? Because there are some priorities that we've made that have no peace on it. And we're need, we, we need to step into peace. Will you close your Bibles and your notebooks and stand with me? We're going to pray and close and dismiss. If you receive something from the Holy Spirit tonight, can we give God praise? And we're called to praise the Lord, clap our hands, all you people, right? It wasn't a request, it was a command. And shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Why? Because it wasn't a request, it was a command. Saying God has given you the victory, God is going to continue to good things. We read in this, in this scripture it talks about God gives good gifts, he doesn't withhold good gifts from you. So he's going to continue to pour good gifts on those he can trust and those who continue to worship and praise. Celebrate, celebrate. Let me pray with you. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for all that you've done. In fact, I want you to hold your hands out like God's just going to give you some more gifts tonight. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God. Here and online, God, we are, we're praying and we're believing. Oh, somebody needs to activate that piece of Scripture that nothing's going to happen until it's spoken. Begin to speak something. Lord, we're, we're praying and believing, God, that you're going to pour, Lord, a fresh new download. God, Lord, of healing from partiality and prejudice and preference. God, we thank you. We're going to be delivered, God, Lord, from all that mess and 
all that garbage. And Lord, we're not worried about changing the world from it. I just want to be healed. Because if I'm healed, then I can heal other people. Because healed people heal people. Free people, free people. But you cannot set anybody free until you are free first. And Lord, we thank you, God, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And Lord, we thank you that we're going to be free, free in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that we're going to step out into a greater place of faith. God, not just faith, but faith with works. And God, I pray that we're going to go witness. God, we're going to be a testimony. God, we're going to, we're going to live out our faith. God, we're going to go serve our faith. God, we're going to go with Boys and Girls Club. And we're going to serve at the Hullabaloo. God, we're going to show up on Sunday morning and exercise our faith. And not just say we're a Christian and stay at home. But God, continue to show up at prayer night. Show up on Wednesday night. Show up on Sundays. Show up at work. Show up at home. Show up for our spouse. Show up for our kids. Show up for our school. God, and faith with works, God, will bring a compliment to our life that we can't even comprehend. And Lord, I thank you, God, that we are now going to surrender right now, Lord, our tongues. Holy Spirit, fill each and every one of us. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us. Take control of our tongues. I want you to pray it. Just begin to pray. Holy Spirit, take control of my tongue. I, I, I speak all kinds of craziness. God, I speak doubt. I just speak discouragement. God, I speak despair. I speak depression. I speak, I speak all kinds of self-hate. And Lord, I can't keep saying it. I speak all kinds of negative things about people. God, I, I, I curse too much. God, I have a, a foul mouth. God, I need to clean it up, God. And I need to speak with faith. I need to speak with hope. I need to speak with life. I need to speak with love. And I need to speak some great things into existence in the kingdom and speak death over the enemy and his plans. And Lord, I thank you that no longer will anybody under the sound of my voice be a quiet believer that becomes a dying believer. But from now on, God, everybody who hears the word is now accountable to the word. And Lord, they will then begin to prophesy and speak in tongues and, and speak healing and deliverance and freedom over our city. And Lord, we thank you, God, that we're going to not only do that, but God, we're going to step into a place of pure wisdom that is led by your peace. And thank God that you sent the Prince of Peace to give us peace that surpasses understanding. Not as the world gives, but that only you can give. And I thank you that James spoke. I thank you that James wrote. I thank you that James ministered because it's changing our lives. To some of us, he was just to the other guy. But now he's become one of the main guys in our life who has spoken and poured into our life, God, because he recognized that he had wisdom to give. And it was pure wisdom, peaceable wisdom. And Lord, I pray that anybody in here, God, as they receive the pure, peaceable wisdom of God, let them walk in it. Let them speak in it. In fact, right now, I pray, Lord, that their tongue, God, would only speak words of wisdom. Their ears would only hear ears, uh, sounds of grace and understanding and mercy. Their eyes, Lord, would see, God, Lord, with peace. They would see peace. God, Lord, that everything about them would shift and change, God, Lord, where it operates under the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we thank you for tonight. We receive all that you have for us. And everybody who received the good word shouted a good amen. 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 Let's give God some praise. Awesome. All right, let's be here. Let's show up for Sunday. It's going to be incredible. Let's speak this bridge declaration and be dismissed. I am a bridge builder. This is my season of favor. I am blessed to live my best. I will choose to love him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent God's gentleness to myself and others. 
I will live out his gospel. I am blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. Amen. God bless you, Bridge. We're so glad you joined us today. If you made a spiritual decision, whether that was dedicating your life to Christ or rededicating your life to Christ, send us an email at info at weirbridge.church and let us know you made that spiritual decision. Also, if you're joining our Bridge Church family online for the first time, we have a very special gift for you. Send us an email at info at weirbridge.church to share some information on where we can send you that gift. We're so glad you joined us today, and we can't wait to see you soon. Be sure to stay connected, because we're so much better. Together. Together.